0: Welcome to PointCast, the podcast where we talk to active voters about the issues that matter most to them. And we encourage legislators to not only listen, but to act on what we hear. Today we have with us Kara Kaye from the great state of New York. Thank you so much for joining me today. And Kara, we're going to talk about uh, some of the changes that your family is having to make during this whole pandemic season that we're in and how you guys are making the adjustment, especially around the kids.
1: Yes. Um,
0: well, uh, my
1: family and I, um, we have had to make adjustments, but our adjustments are not typical because our family has been a homeschooling family mm. for uh, all, most all of our young son's life. We have three children, two of them are adults now, mm. and then we had um, a surprise wonderful blessing come along in 2008, Mm -hmm.
0: and
1: we decided to homeschool him through his developmental years. So it wasn't until 2019 that we decided to put him in school, and then, ironically, we end up homeschooling again because of COVID. (laughs) Uh, so we were very well-equipped with that adjustment, and my heart really went out to people who have never experienced that before. Also, my husband, he works from home. I mean, uh-huh. everything is very has very much been home-based for us for many years. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so the lockdown really is kind of our our normal it's kind of our normal and we have to urge ourselves to walk outside of the house because everything's kind of and that was the biggest disappointment it was finally like oh logan gets to go to school and um i started taking classes in the city and life was opening up and then covid came and then we're back inside again
0: Mm. well there was that change of plans though so you guys are adjusting Yes, that and well, you, where you might be better equipped than some because <laughs> of your your home-based habits. Yes, there, that mm-hmm. pause. Talk us through that because that's real. A lot of families are adjusting to a pause or a break in their plans. How has that affected the way you do family?
1: Oh well, for us, we're we're a faith-based family, so mm-hmm. everything always starts from that. Mm-hmm perspective for us. uh, First and foremost, we try to get our minds set in the right place. And then we try to tackle the practicalities of life through that perspective. Um, And that's what helps us get through the difficult aspects of life. Um, I would like to say that it's foolproof, (laughs) but it's a struggle. And I I really, I don't know how people do it without a faith perspective, because I just... I can't imagine trying to tackle everything that is happening in our world right now without that as your foundation. I just, and my heart just really truly aches for those who don't, who don't have that and are trying to piece together. I call it the data points. You know, I, I, you look at our house, like, um, we look at our lives as like a house that you're building and the foundation is faith perspective. And then everything that all the materials that you use to build on top of that um, are the data points of life. And you're trying to figure out which ones are reliable, which materials are useful in building your home. And um, when the data points change and they do um, from time to time, it's okay because you have a solid foundation. So you can remodel, and you can tear down, and you can find new materials to build with, and and that's fine um, because you have a strong foundation. So without that strong foundation, if people are trying to find the data points to build a life with in this uncertain world where everything, every day you open up the news and um, there's just new data points that are contradicting yesterday's data points. And you go, what? I thought I could build with this and now I can't. And it's so frustrating and so stressful um, and so hard, so very, very hard.
0: During this time, a lot has transpired in the last six months, not just the pandemic, but a lot of social shifts mm-hmm. take place. And being at home, it's sort of like you're just trapped in this space and you're having to face it unless you have the discipline to turn everything off, including our phones, right? Mm
1: -hmm. How are you
0: all processing all of that information coming in and how has it affected your lives?
1: Well, I turned off a lot of things. (laughs) I turned off my Facebook. I turned off social media. I'm very selective about what I turn on. Uh-huh. And what I allow to feed my mind and my spirit. Um, I have identified uh, people in this world, you would be one of them, <laughs> someone who I feel confident to communicate with, uh-huh. and someone I want to listen to, uh-huh. and someone who I can trust to give me a perspective or give me information. Uh That will help me in my um, day-to-day decision-making, honestly. Uh So I had to really just shut out a lot and then be very selective about what is allowed to come into my mind, into my heart, and into my family. Uh Um, And that has definitely helped and changed things for the positive, Uh but... We cannot go back to the days of smoke signals, you know? Like, I've shut everything off in terms of social media. Um, Yeah, so shutting off, but recognizing that this is the way in which we connect. This is the way that you stay informed. So Mm -hmm. I do have to figure out how to get back into social media again and reconnect uh, again with the wider world. Um, This has been a great time. Mm -hmm. for me to um, assess and figure out who I want to listen to and how to let in the right voices into my life. Mm -hmm. But I need to, I can't stay there. I can't live in that space. Um, So I need to figure out how to re-engage the larger world, what kind of um, protections I can use to keep the stress at bay. Because I found it just so stressful online, listening to so many different voices and the ranting and the fear and the worry um, it was really having such a negative impact on me mentally and not physically as well. Just the stress level. I, I've had cancer not twice, but two times. <laughs> I don't want it to come back. I don't want to think about stress Sorry. is a factor in all of that. So I need to make that's sure okay. that I'm wise about um, my stress levels. And and yet I do not want to live in a, in a bubble. I don't want to create a quote unquote bubble of safety uh, for the sake of being safe. I don't think that's why we're here. We need to engage with one another and we need to be brave enough to step outside of our our safety structures to engage others as well Mm -hmm. and try to make the world a better place, whatever that
0: means. How do you, how do you apply that to what your children might be taking in? I mean, we can control what we can take in, but then they come to us with their perspectives or their worries or fears. And then we have to process maybe ours and theirs and then help them get to a calmer better place how do you as a parent mm, well I wish I could <laughs> say that I'm I'm successful at it and I have a wonderful formula that you can just
1: apply uh, no. um, I cannot say that um, but what I'm at least trying I, we're trying um, we try my husband and I we try to stay connected we try to communicate with one another first and foremost Um, We have two children, like I said, they're adults, and they can process the world however they choose. They're independent, and they don't necessarily agree with my assessments. Mm
0: -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. And then that's a challenge, you know, um, because my relationship with them is, of course, very important. So how to be respectful of one another and where we're at concerning um, the issues that we all have to, to deal with, um, and then we have a young son. He's 11 years old, and he's not an adult. Mm-hmm. So th- his older siblings definitely affect him. Uh, mm-hmm. He is very close to them, mm-hmm. and yet we are his parents. So mm-hmm. uh, again, communication and respect is ultimately key. That is first and foremost. That we love one another. We want what's best for one another. We therefore listen to one another and try to find ways to cooperate with one another.
0: Living in this new space that we're in with all of these different challenges along with the the pandemic is kind of forcing us to zone in on issues that none of us really realize were there. I think we were living side by side with some things um, but they were like ghosts to us and some people could see them and some people couldn't. Yes.
1: Um,
0: and, um, I like you and like everyone else is trying to figure out how to process all of that in a healthy way. Uh, how have you begun that journey to start to process that and what issues have really stood out to you that really have, have your attention that didn't have your attention before? Uh,
1: quality of relationships. So we live with people, but we don't necessarily know them.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: it's very easy to just to share space with people and just live your own life and not really be in connection. Um, and the lockdown forces you to take notice of these people that you've been sharing space with. Um, our society allows us, has allowed us to exist with one another without knowing one another, without listening to one another, without needing to listen and connect with one another. We can just go online and have our own life there. And you can still do that to some degree in the lockdown, but when you can't leave your dwelling and you are with your family 24-7, you are really faced with the reality of the Quality of your relationships with your husband with your children etc and if that hasn't been paid attention to for some time it's a painful reality it can be a pain it can be an exciting realization now I have time to focus on this and to create and build quality that I've always wanted but we just couldn't because we were busy or it can be terrifying and it can be something that is very um, just devastating and, and hard to face. And now you have to face the fact that the quality isn't there that you wanted. And, and because it was neglected for so long, um, the, the pathway for building that quality isn't clear to yeah. some. And again, that is a, that's a grief. That's a sadness. That's something that you have to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the blessing and the curse of the COVID lockdown and our current situation, you mm-hmm. know, and it's how the mindset and the perspective that you have on tackling it. So again, from yeah. faith perspective, um, that has been something that's been very, uh, important to me and it's been at the forefront to tr- attempt to tackle that and to try to address that. And it always starts with the individual. So I had to start with myself and work on my own issues, whatever those issues are. And then out of that, build quality within my relationships, with my husband, with my children,
0: etc. So. Now, one of the things that, you know, we can't just leave unspoken is how all of this has affected New Yorkers. You know, there's been a lot of, a lot of pain, uh, a, a lot of changes. Tell us, give us a sense. First of all, you know, give us a sense of where you're actually located and then give us a sense of what it has been like living there. Mm. Some really scary times. Yes. Yeah. We're the hot spot of the United States. So, um,
1: COVID really became something serious for us at the beginning of March. At the time, I was taking classes in the city. Um, there's an improvisational school, if you will, called Upright Citizens Brigade, and I have a background in theater. Um, homeschooling really took me away from my roots in performance, so and I wanted to get back into it. And I thought that would be a good pathway. So I started taking classes at the UCB and we were finishing up. It's an eight week stint and we were finishing up and getting ready for our show. You put on a show at the end. And um, it was that week that it became a very serious, real issue for the state of New York. Mm -hmm. And the feeling that we had in class, it was palpable. Uh, We threw a party the last class that we had, but we all were just, nobody had to tell us to stay away from each other. (laughs) We just instinctively just did not want to share utensils. We were just hyper aware. And um, nobody was wearing masks or anything at that time, but the discussion about what does this mean for the future? And are we going to be able to take the next set of classes uh, later this month? And those conversations were beginning to ha- happen. Um, and there was a big, huge show. I remember there's a, we had our show, which uh, the classes do not attract large audiences, let's just say, because everybody's just learning. It's just family and friends, you know. It's yeah. fun, but it's not a huge show. Audience that you're dealing with, yeah. but they do have a main stage production, and so our teacher was in the main stage production. and We wanted to go support, so we all went to the big main stage show, and it was packed, and people were in the aisles, and you just felt like you were caving in on yourself, like <laughs> please, nobody touched me. Uh, and it was right after that that show that UCB closed down. They closed down. They uh, stopped classes. Um, and we were like, what Our we had a, a practice team that we were forming and that fell apart because people, you know, New York draws people from all over the world. And so we had tr- um, people in our group who were from California and from all different states. And all of a sudden people are leaving. They're leaving the city and they're like, sorry, guys, can't practice going home. Um, so that there was just this abrupt shift and I haven't been in the city since we had our show, we had our final performance and I haven't been in the city since then. Um, so most of my interaction then just was online through Facebook and I was seeing these awful stories from people I care about who were losing people. Wow. And people getting sick and becoming crippled from it. Um, I still know people who do have, they've been through COVID mm-hmm. uh, and they still have not regained their ability to smell or taste. And that honestly, that scares me more than the ventilator. I know I shouldn't say that, but the idea of not being able to smell or taste, uh, are you kidding me?
0: Mm, wow.
1: People talk about the numbers and the death toll and can you really uh, trust in the way that they're calculating COVID deaths and all of that. Well, talk to somebody who's been through it, who barely made it through it, and still after a month of, of quote unquote, recovery after being in the hospital, still cannot get up and walk across the room without losing their, losing their breath or still cannot smell, still cannot, they're alive, but talk to me about quality of life. Mm. And there's no answer for it. So it's a very real and serious thing. And being in New York as the epicenter, um, we know that it's real and it's serious and so frustrating when people who are in a state, they're blessed enough to be in a state where a governor has taken it seriously Mm-hmm. And they've taken strong, strict precautions to protect their people, and it's worked. And people are complaining, mm. complaining because their numbers are low. And <laughs> are you kidding me? We have dear, we have we have lost people. My husband and I we found out through Facebook mm. a month after a, a very sweet soul that we know personally passed away from COVID. Well,
0: I'm so sorry for your loss.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry for the world's loss because this was a wonderful human being and is no longer here because of this thing. Uh, So for us, it's very real. And um, we just hope that that others, again, who are blessed to have low numbers where they're at, will, instead of complaining, will celebrate that and be thankful for that and cooperate as, as much as they can to make sure that those numbers stay low.
0: So okay. with that being said, then I, I take it that you agree with Governor Cuomo's stance of, of, of forcing people to quarantine themselves before traveling to the state of New York? Well, here's, here's my position on that.
1: Um, I am all for cooperation. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my stance. I am not a medical professional. I am not a scientist by trade. <laughs> right. I have not been trained in uh, the science of, of viruses and disease. And so it behooves me to listen to those who, who have been trained, who are professional. Right. Um, and the politicians, the leaders that have been elected and, and put in charge it's important to offer cooperation because that is going to help those within the scientific and medical community do their jobs even better. Like I said, data points change. So I can't be in charge of determining and deciding ultimately um, what the data points are. I need to, to listen to those who are in charge who are in charge and who are doing the best that they can. And I I truly believe that they're doing the best that they can with the information that has been given. Mm -hmm. If I were to live in a state where a governor was not taking it seriously and had, um, an approach that was less restrictive, it would be challenging for me to impose upon myself the same restrictions as what governor Cuomo, has, has mandated in the state of New York. It would be, it would be, I get it. I know if you're in a state where you don't have high numbers and you have a governor who is not as restrictive, it would be very, very challenging to incorporate those restrictions upon yourself. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely. I absolutely understand. And I get that. And in fact, before the restrictions in April, I, I was still working. I, I, was considered a um, an essential worker, right. um, and so I was still working, but I didn't have to work. My the business that my husband runs is provides our needs. I just like to work in addition to that. I find value in that, and I try to keep my hands busy. I don't want to be at home not working on something, right. you know. So. Um, But my son, when he came home from college, and my husband, they were both very upset with me (laughs) for leaving the house because it concerned them and worried them. And even though in my mindset, masks were not mandated, there were no restrictions that were being Not at that time, right. Not at that time. um, I love them so much that... I chose to listen to them when they communicated to me how scary it was for them to see me leaving the house.
0: But and you because, can certainly understand how people right. feel about going out. You get it. You get it both ways. Both
1: but ultimately, it was out of love right. and concern for others that I restricted myself, even though I didn't have to restrict myself at that time. And then. New York, I mean, the numbers went so high that the restrictions were then imposed upon us. But the takeaway from that is since then, as I've been reading and following um, COVID, COVID numbers and uh, state numbers and medical information and all of that, uh, I have learned or, or di- discovered how important cooperation is in the fight against this disease. There is um, um, data surrounding the country of Mongolia. I don't know if you're familiar with this data, but they have no COVID deaths in Mongolia. There are 204 cases, but all of them are imported because they've figured out how to handle it so successfully that they're actually importing people with COVID to take care of others outside of their country. Um, Now, Mongolia isn't the United States, no. Uh, But if you look at the numbers in their capital city, they have 1.5 million with a density that's similar to uh, Bergamo, the city of Bergamo in Italy, which was one of the hardest hit cities uh, on the map. So they have similar density, but they have... No COVID deaths. How did they do that? It behooves us to look at the actions that they took and attempts to apply some of it at least. And one of the, one of the actions that they have taken, which we definitely have not, is this idea of cooperating. Cooperating with government officials, cooperating with scientific um, leaders, and authority figures and offering cooperation as as a community as a citizenry, um,
0: and but that's the challenge. The, it, and I'm sorry to interrupt there. But that becomes challenging when there doesn't appear to always be cooperation among the leaders themselves.
1: Yes, thank you, thank you for
0: pointing that out. Yes, yes. I, so isn't I, that confusing for the citizenry to you know because if you have some people. Because, like you said, we're not, most of us are not scientists. Right. Right. Most of us are not doctors. And if some of the early things you hear is that this is just a super flu and nobody in your circle gets sick, you're probably going to have a harder time right. understanding how serious this is. Right. Right. You know, and, and you hear this from different leaders and then other leaders who are dealing with this who are closer to a hot spot. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. I'm so concerned
1: about our conversation because I really I I'm so nervous about talking about this particular topic because I always aim when I'm speaking, I want to interject hope and practicality in a discussion. Right,
0: right. But so <laughs> where's our where's our silver lining? And how do we how do we do
1: that when, when we have this kind of leadership? When, when, I mean, this is the crux for me. Mm-hmm. We do not when you don't have Unified leadership with good information that you can trust. How do you offer cooperation? What do you do? So now I I am left, we are all left with the task of sifting through the data and trying to determine which data is trustworthy versus what is just gossip. What is just exploiting the fear? what is what is being thrown out there to distract us um that's that is our challenge it is a huge challenge and to be willing to um find the data that you can trust and to cooperate with it and with those who are sharing it giving it and promoting it and to offer within your circle of influence your family your immediate community to try to be a model of, of hope and responsible behavior.
0: Right, right. To
1: speak on behaviors that are not just protecting you, yourself, and you, but those behaviors also need to be aimed at protecting others. And and for me that's where the mask comes, the mask debate it should not be a debate. It shouldn't right. be it shouldn't right. be a political issue. It shouldn't. It should just be do that which serves the greater good and the greater community, and and just do what what is good and what is right, and
0: and be satisfied and content with that alone. And mm-hmm. What? Well, the, it, it's about focusing on the real enemy, right? The real right. enemy is is this virus. Yeah. That and discriminately attacking all of us. Right. And uh, we need to be unified in our our defense and ultimately our offense as we attack back with whatever types of cures or vaccinations may come in the following years. But I certainly hope that we will unify around the fight and cooperate with whatever needs to be done wherever we are. We're seeing a rise in hotspots all across the nation. So... Said
1: said yesterday,
0: 50,000 new cases, 50,000 new cases. So hearts and prayers go out to all of the families who are dealing with that. All of the families who have lost loved ones Mm -hmm. and all of us, as we try to figure this thing out, this is new for us in a modern day America. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to leave it there, Kara. I appreciate you sharing your time and sharing your voice on this issue and, and all the others. Um, For those of you, so I wanna thank you for sharing your voice. For those of you who, like Kara, have the same or similar ideas and opinions, please feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page so that we know that you're there and so that others uh, will know that Kara is not the only one that has this view. Uh, Especially if you're from the uh, New York State area, uh, please reach out to us and let us know how you're doing. If you have opposing or even other views, please share those also. We, We encourage civil discourse and dialogue. Um, we want to make sure that we set a table for all American voices to be heard. We'd like to thank our sponsor, LEI Productions, for helping to make this podcast possible. Thank you again, Kara, for being our guest today. And thank you all, uh, our listeners for making this all worthwhile. Peace to all. Thank you.